If you want it, you can have it. But you gotta learn to reach out there and grab it. Hello and welcome to We Are Weezer Perfect Situations 28. I'm your host, Rachel, and today I am joined by Men and Whales. Hi, guys. Hey, Rachel. How are you? Hey, Rachel. I am great. Hello. Before we get going, let me tell you a little bit about the podcast. We Are Weezer is a podcast about Weezer. And we have two kinds of episodes. We have a song review episode where my guest hosts and I scour the internet to find details and fun facts on your favorite Weezer songs. And we give you the details. We rate it and review it using our special rating system. And we have perfect situations where we'll do Weezer news. I'll interview someone like today. Um, we'll tell you the history behind a Weez mark. And we'll do an album release party, probably do one of those for Van Weezer, whatever we feel like, basically. And we will take a quick break and we'll be right back with Men and Whales. Right, welcome back, and I'm so excited to be talking to you guys. Finally, it's I've been mentioning you on the podcast for a while. I am joined by Tom Murphy, who is the guitarist. You're no, you're the lead singer. Yes, indeed. But you don't take credit for that on your website. What's up with that? Uh, we have a lot of singers in the band, so I, I guess you know you're just being nice. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> And um, okay, so Tom is the, he's one of the singers and he does the rhythm guitar. And also we've got Brent Lazo, who is the lead guitarist and the backing vocals. So you are the Brian and Tom is the Rivers, if you were going to be technical on who's (laughs) the Weezer equivalent person. Sure. Yeah. I think you nailed it. (laughs) <laughs> but it's funny. I was um, I put the I put a note to talk about it later, and I was watching your video of the sweater song, and Brent plays the guitar, you know, the guitar solo. When like generally, I think Rivers is the one that is doing the guitar solo. And when I talked to Weezerton, sorry, I have to keep my Weezer cover, Weezer tribute band straight. <laughs> The guitarist for that band also does the guitar solo because the lead singer doesn't do guitar. I mean, mm. usually it's, it's diff, it, I don't know. I think that with some bands, it's like the singer is the singer and like more of a backup guitarist. And then you have your main guitar guy who does like all the, the craziness. I don't know. Yeah, that pretty much explains it. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I stick for the most part to the rhythm guitar. Uh, Brent handles the lead, so I don't think I would be able to to shred like Brent, you know. <laughs> and but, sing at the same time. Yeah, so uh, I, I leave all the lead stuff to Brent. So do you think that that's hard for Rivers? 
Do you yeah. think he's just like kind of cool for being able to do that? Uh, yes, for sure. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hard to do to do a lot of things, but especially play, you know, lead and, and do solos and sing over that. It's not easy. Do you find it hard to like, would you be able to sing and do your guitar solo, Brett? You know, I feel like we kind of come into this when we go to cover different songs and it's, you know, we're learning different parts and I'm so focused on the leads. And I think about that sometimes if I had to be focused on the actual lead vocals, it would be really challenging. So yeah, I do think um, it's always fascinating me a bit about Weezer's setup and how good Rivers is on the guitar. I always, I don't want to say I'm drawn to like bands that do that, but I think it's definitely something that stands out to me. Another guy who's worked with Weezer quite a lot, Butch Walker, his guitar playing is unbelievable. He's also a lead singer. So it's it's always really cool when when the lead singer can also pick up the guitar and, and do the leads, but it, it's challenging and I don't think I could do it. That's for sure. Cool. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever heard Butch Walker. Like, I know I've heard him, but I haven't listened to, like, listened to it focused on the musicality of it. I think I've always just been like novelly being like, Oh, let me hear, let me hear Butch Walker play something. Uh, but he does have a very popular band. He's a popular dude out here in, in California. <laughs> we went to, um, we met him once or I, I've met him like yeah. 10 times. Yeah. He, oh, not, is he nice? Not that he would you guys like him? I met him. In, I met him coming. We went to a listening party. I, was it a solo? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, we did. We went to a listening party for his album that came out uh, about 11, 12 years ago now. Yeah. And um, I don't know how I found out about it, but it was just like a bar in New York. There was maybe 50 people and we just got to listen to it. And um, yeah, that was that was your first exposure to meeting him in person. He's just he was just a nice guy, just, you know, down to earth. Normal and, guy. Yeah, it was. I was waiting to go to the bathroom and then he came out. Oh, hey, thanks for, you know, <laughs> good music and very kind of, it, you know, he was walking around as though, you know, he was just kind of a part of the party and listening in. It was really, seemed like a really nice guy. But he's, he's definitely another one of those similar to, to Rivers that has like a hair metal background because he mm -hmm. was in a hair metal band way back. The guys from the band Lit, same thing. Like all those guys who were just really good musicians who were in California were playing the strip, doing kind of hair metal stuff. And it's just cool to see how they've evolved over time and, become some of my favorite bands with Weezer and Lit and Butch Walker. So that whole thing, there's like a common thread too. And it's cool that they kind of all have worked together now in the last like 10 years. They have roots. Yeah. yeah. And now they're like totally like not even up and coming anymore. They're like legit. Yeah, exactly. So it's cool. They're it's fancy. Really cool. Before I forget, Rachel, I do want to mention the uh, two other members of the band, Clint on bass and Clint Paul on bass and uh, Matt Graff on drums. They are spiritually here. So uh, didn't want, okay, to, didn't want to forget to mention their names as well. Well, they they will be missed. Uh, <laughs> what's going on? They they just didn't they don't like podcasts. Or... Well, luckily Brett and I live a lot closer <laughs> together. Uh, we live we we uh, live down in Queens, New York, so we are very close in proximity. Uh, Clint lives in Jersey City, yeah. so he would be a little further, uh, and he couldn't make it. And um, our drummer is in Astoria, so. This is just easier for us to get together. And I, and I, you know, might make the argument that maybe we lean on Weezer a little. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, God. Like them more than the other dudes. Maybe. I, I think know. so. I think I, so. I don't want to say that. <laughs> <from being here>. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, hey, I like Weezer. Yeah, exactly. What do you want? Well, they should have been here to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, okay. Let's talk about, let's talk about you guys a little bit more. When did you get together as a band? Okay, well, we 
officially debuted in 2008, um, which doesn't seem like it's that long ago, um, but it's been 12 years. But Brent was reminding me just before we started the podcast that I initially started playing with Brent in 2005. So, you know, I was kind of working on solo music and he was in another band called Throwback. And we had sort of been friends. We attended the same high school in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And I knew his brother and we, you know, got together. And then Brent moved to New York. Um, and shortly after, when I moved to New York, we kind of reconnected. And that's kind of how the band started. So. And were you in individual bands before you got together? I was not. I was doing my own thing, but Brent was. Yeah, Throwback was the big one I was in. So you just decided to like, let's do a band together. Well, it's funny. So that band was very much, I want to say like more of an ACDC, Guns N' Roses kind of vibe, which was was awesome. It was a lot of fun. And we got to, we had a couple of opportunities to play some clubs in New York when we were like just turning 21 and played till like three, four in the morning in, in fun. Yeah, the village in Manhattan, which was really cool. Um, but I always had, that was definitely a part of the influence of me, but I always also had like more of the melodic alternative rock kind of vibe and that, you know, I brought as well. And um, I think when Tom and I started playing together, because basically he needed a band to help record an album. And we had just thrown my brother who was lead singer out of the band, uh, <laughs> which was very awkward. Uh, so we, we were without a singer. So it just kind of worked out that we had the opportunity to help him out and record this album. So we learned like 10 of his songs. So we got together in a house that was on the property of um, the other guitar player, Spurgeon, who's an amazing guitar player, uh, Spurgeon Dunbar. Uh, so he had this little like house on his property. We just basically hooked up there for a couple months and just recorded this when we could. And I think Tom and I definitely connected on the Beatles and Weezer for sure. Like we just had a very common thread on those. Now, our influences go in different directions. Tom's definitely got Tom Petty's a huge thing for him. He goes more there. I go more pop punk, that kind of thing. But I think the common thread of those two bands specifically really like I would say we probably felt that when we were playing together, there was a commonality. So when, when I moved to New York and then he came a couple months later, I think it was just natural that at that time we were both, you know, musical free agents, I guess you would say. Yeah. And uh, Tom called me up and I was like, yeah, let's get to jamming. And Clint was my roommate. So it just kind of worked out. The three of us started and then found a drummer. Cool. So you met through his brother. So how, you've known each other since then, or did you know each other before? Like, were you friends for a long time? It's a wild story because we went to high school together but I didn't know him. You, you were a grade behind me? Yep. And so I knew his brother because his brother was a year older than me. And then we went to the same college together. We went to Hofstra in Long Island. And I still, I, I had heard of his name, like, oh, Drew's brother goes there. And I, but we still didn't really hang out at all. And then it wasn't until after school, uh, college, that we kind of got together. Brent had mentioned Spurgeon, who was in his band Throwback, who happened to be dating a close friend of mine. And then we connected because then I was looking to kind of record some music. And just from there, um, you know, things developed. Where did the name come from? Did you guys come up with the name together? <laughs> I came up with the name. My, my girlfriend, now wife, when she was in college and she majored in biology, she had taken a class where the textbook was called Men in Wales. And I would go to her apartment <laughs> and every time I would grab this book and just be fascinated by these, you know, pictures and the, the story of the whaling industry. 
And I just thought this would be such a cool band name, you know. And then when we, you know, That's actually really started funny. the band, I thought I have it. <laughs> and I'm really surprised they let me run with that name. <laughs> because uh, no, it was I'm cool. not sure it's the strongest name looking back, but, you know. It's cool. We, we definitely get a lot of misinterpretations, though. Sure. We have to, sure. Uh, you know, we get men in Wales. Yeah. People think it's the, the, the country <laughs> Wales. Or on Wales. Right. Like <laughs> it was an easy way to get a, a .com, though. No one really had the name, so that was important. because. Yeah, that's true. Yes. That's true. Although the book is still outranking us in most uh, mm. searches in Google, which well, yeah. we haven't been able to tackle for 12 years, so I don't know if we ever will. But yeah. Damn you, textbook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did Google you and I was like, hey, where is their website? Yeah. It's, you're like number three. It's all good. You're still on the first page. <laughs> Richard Ellis. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> Damn you. He does. He writes a lot that Richard Ellis. Yeah. I feel like I know that name <laughs> randomly. I don't know. <laughs> so tell me about your discography. Like you have a lot of albums. We do. But some of them are kind of, uh, there were two that I noticed were like five songs. So run me, run us through it. Well, the, the first record we released in 08 when we sort of kind of debuted as a band. And um, that was really, it actually started as I was going to do like another solo stuff. And then when we started playing together, we decided this is going to be the, the first band album. So that was Farewell to the Fire. Um, and then we did kind of an EP, a few songs after that. And then we did um, another album called When the Days Blend that was really kind of more like a, our first band album, I would say, probably. And then a few years later, we did something called The Years Are Gone, which um, I think was our, at the time, really kind of our best effort. That was the last one we did with our first drummer, Garrett. And uh, yeah. Is that the one with the little boys on the front? Uh, that, no, that was our no, first No, that's one. the one with the balloon. That the balloon, exactly. <laughs> So that, that one, um, I was really happy with how that came out. And that, that was the year I was, that was the year, um, Hurricane Sandy hit, which I was living in Rockaway, Queens at the time. So, um, it was kind of a strange. Is that crazy? It was crazy because my wife and I were displaced. So when the record came out, we were like, kind of, it was, it was a strange kind of, that's my memory from it anyway. Um, so I, I think looking at the discography going forward, there's a few years where, um, we didn't release anything. The next was the EP that we uh, came out with, which was a self-titled in 2016. And that we did with our friend Sam uh, Shaw, who uh, is such a great uh, producer. He's a real good friend of ours. Really happy with how that came out. But in between, we released some singles. We did a cover of the Chipmunk Christmas song. Um, I saw that. Which, I love that song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we released that as like a charity single. So we were, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and we're currently working on some new music, um, which knock on wood, hoping to come out um, sometime later this year. So really, ex cool. really excited about that. Can you tell, uh, tell us about it or? Um, we're working uh, with our drummer, actually, uh, Matt Graff. He uh, has a studio that he works out of in Astoria, Queens, and um, just kind of been plugging away at it for the past year now. You know, I don't know what else to say as far as it's. I definitely, I give Tom a lot of credit for keeping it and getting it off the ground because I'd say when Tom was writing, you know, Tom writes most of the songs of the band, some of them all bring an idea, then he'll kind of bring it to fruition. But there was so much going on in our personal lives when he was writing these songs. Tom and I each have two kids. Clint has, has a kid now. 
it's really challenging to try to do the band thing and do life, you know? And um, had it not been for Tom's persistence of <laughs> keeping this thing moving, I think we we definitely wouldn't be where we are. So I give him a lot of credit. Well, but, thanks, Brent. Um, I think the product is, I mean, I'm so excited for these songs to come out. I think they sound amazing. Matt's brought a great, our drummer kind of self, helping us self-produce it. He's brought a nice dynamic to it. His vocal arrangements are, are also really good. We've added some some keyboards here and there. And um, I think it's I think it's sounding awesome. I'm really excited for it. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever gotten to talk to like a legit band. <laughs> well, one day you will. Yeah. <laughs> I talked to, hopefully, you know, Weezer. No, but like, I've talked to like Weezer tribute bands, Weezer cover bands. Um, I've talked to Jason Cropper, but we didn't really talk music. By the way, very good company in, in to be depth. with. Um, What's that? What, we're very good company to be with on this podcast. Thank you for having us. And that's amazing that oh. you got both Carl Cook and Jason Cropper. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel very lucky and definitely a highlight of my life. The only thing that could possibly beat that would be actual Weezer. Uh, which hopefully will happen one day, but we'll we'll see. I'm never gonna stop. I'm gonna keep bugging the shit out of them until maybe one day. <laughs> not bugging them, but nicely being like, "Hey, I'm here." And, and that's I've been around. It's not like beyond rivers to just show up one day and be like, that's "Hey, I want to be yeah. on the podcast." You know, he, he'll the, do that. He'll yeah. drop in. He'll interact. You know, that is sort I, of the beauty of rivers that. is that he's not. Uh, you know, I don't think he, too egotistical in that sense. I think he definitely is very down to earth. Uh, so I know I want to like I want to see that because I I just I only know what I see so it, it would be really interesting to see it for myself like you know how he is uh, when he's just being normal you know mm. I don't think I've ever seen him be completely himself I think it's always like interviewing about Weezer so it's like profesh and then I see him perform which is obviously a version of him. But it would be interesting to just like talk to him. There's a a podcast where he he talks about meditation with Tom Harris, Dan Harris, um, called Ten Percent Happier. It's one of my favorite episodes because it's just I feel like he gets to be himself and talk about something that he's interested in. And so I think if I did ever get to talk to Weezer, that I would not necessarily focus on Weezer questions, but I would ask just like regular questions. Cause I just want to see how they are normal. Yeah. You know, I also get the impression he's a much different person than he was when the band first, the Weezer uh, first broke, because if you look at some of the early interviews, he would, he had trouble looking at the interviewer. He would actually look to the floor, like, and Matt Sharp would do a lot of the speaking for the band. Um, he was very insecure. I think he's opened up a lot over the years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, he's probably had to, Yeah. He probably had to be like, Hey, if you're gonna be this guy, then you gotta learn to not be afraid to be yourself. Yeah. But I think probably he got a little bit. I mean, it's intimidating. You guys know that it's got to be scary at first, and yep. And then after Pinkerton, it's like, oh shit, no one likes me. Yeah. <laughs> I meant to ask you, like, with being dads and stuff, how does that come to play? Because that's something that I think is difficult for probably Weezer too. It's like, how do you write these emotional songs or what do you pull from differently than like when you were younger and you were like, you know, single and longing for like some girl and now it, there's other things to be concerned about. Like, how does that come into play? Um, 
Well, I, I'll go first, but I guess what I can say, I can't speak for every songwriter. Every songwriter has a different process. I don't feel like I, I necessarily pull from things. I, I, a lot of it feels like it's almost like coming. I almost feel like I'm translating it sometimes. So, and, and a lot of it, you know, is kind of being filtered through me. So just kind of what's personally happening at the, happening at the time. I don't think I'd be able to write the same song now than I was when I was like in my early 20s, just because I was living, you know, differently and, and you know, didn't necessarily have the same responsibilities. So now like, you know, having kids, I'm just coming at it from a different perspective, you know, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you think that, how does that affect the the writing though? Well, I'll give you, I'm just looking um, now at just some of the songs. There's a song on our last EP that was called The Shining Light. And mm-hmm. that was a song where my wife was like weeks away from having her son. And really, you know, all I could just think about personally was just, you know, what it would be like to be a dad and just... So the song itself is really kind of, almost kind of like me speaking to this, you know, future child and just some advice I might give. But at the same time, I don't want to be too direct about it. So I try to keep it also a little open-ended, but that's sort of what... I, I, I couldn't think of anything else at the time, so... <laughs> that that was something that you know is an example of you're like me. i gotta get this out. <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have written that at like you know 23 when i was like you know just dating my now wife but yeah cool did you have anything you wanted to add brett not really i mean i most of the writing i do is strictly music actually the shining lights an example i the, the original yeah. riff came from me and yeah. That's an interesting one because in like Tom took something that to me was just kind of this punk rock palm muted progression. I played it once a rehearsal and then he writes an entire song around it. And as you know, he's just talking about subject matter makes this something that's like one of the most personal things you could ever write about as a songwriter, um, you know, the forecoming birth of your child. Um, so that's just interesting for me to kind of, I never could have imagined what it could have come, you know, become when I was just kind of messing around with the riff. And it's, mm-hmm. for me, it's more kind of cool just kind of knowing Tom for so long and, and knowing what's going on in his life when I'm able to spot examples in the lyrics of things that I think I can draw a parallel to like something like that or, you know, like whatever it happens to be. It's kind of cool to see. But I think there's been times where I think I figured it out. And I'll be like, oh, so I noticed you said that. Is that about that? He's like, no, not at all. So I don't know. <laughs> so, sometimes I have no clue either. Maybe but, I could be lying. I don't um, know. <laughs> knowing the content, do you... Like, does that affect how you r- help write the music too? Like, would you change a little bit about what, like, how it sounds? Because now you know that it's like a, a like a, a softer, more emotional song. I think in the recording and mixing and ultimately the live performance process, probably like when I start to understand it on a deeper level. Once Tom makes it exist on a deeper level, then I think yeah, it certainly influences how I approach it. Um, cool. but just sort of in general, like I tend to focus more on melodies and music rather than the actual lyrics themselves, which like, will you know, we do this with Weezer a lot where a new Weezer song comes out. I'm not even listening to what he's saying and Tom will focus on what Rivers is saying. <laughs> I'm just like, that's a great chorus. I don't really care what he's saying. It just sounds awesome. So it's, you know, to, to not, me, the vocals are a bit. And not every song that we do is like, all very like 
that emotionally deep. Yeah. You know? Some of it is just <laughs> right, you know, right. fun and, and all over the place. So I hear what you're saying as far as when we first listen to music. It's kind of like when you first go to see a movie you really like and you just kind of watch it to be, let it wash over you and you be entertained. And then, you know, if it's a really good movie, if you watch it again, you'll pick up on things you didn't see the first time. You know, there's, there's a mm-hmm. lot going on. So that's, that's what you want from a really good song is that you want it to really kind of be kind of pleasant and, and melodic and, and something that people can listen to. But if you, if you really kind of pay attention to it, there's something kind of deeper there. And if you can get both of those at the same time, then, then you've really kind of made something special. Yes. I was just talking about that with my husband last night because I have recently randomly become obsessed with Billie Eilish and um, her song. And at first I'm just like, oh yeah, this is a pretty song, whatever. And then one day I was like, so I'm just driving and it loudly came on and I'm like listening to, then I started listening to the lyrics and I'm like, oh my God, this is such a good song. Like, I just love it so much. And I'm like getting emotional. And then I was like, I love her so much. And so I like it, it's like, yeah, the music will draw you in. And then once you start to like think about it or once it makes you feel something, then you're just like, oh, it's over. I, I'm, I'm in love, Yeah, you know? And I think that uh, anytime anybody can do that with music, it's like that's what makes music so special in every way. And I think Weezer has been able to do that. Maybe not on, you know, every song, every time, but that's why they are where they are today. And which will segue me over to the Beatles because I was listening to them last night, too, after I listened to you guys cover. um, Me, too. I was listening to the Beatles last night. (laughs) uh what did i what was i listening to you cover probably well we did the abbey road album that's on youtube so so was it guitar is uh she's so heavy i believe Ah, yeah uh, which is like one of my favorite beatles songs of all time and i was like oh this is so good I, i love it um so after i listened to you guys play it i had to go (laughs) listen to the Beatles play. I had to go listen to Abbey Road for some reason. Um, So you guys are big Beatles fans? Uh, Yes. Yeah, it's probably an understatement. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We've been lucky. We, well, many years ago uh, in 2011, we had a residency at um, a place called Fontana's. And um, was it every Thursday we were playing? Yeah, three Thursdays. Okay, three Thursdays. And we thought, well, we don't want to just do the same thing. Let's try to kind of theme it out. So one of the nights we decided to cover Abbey, Abbey Road. And that was kind of the first time we, we tackled doing like a full Beatles album. Because before that, we've, we've covered a bunch of different Beatles songs. Yeah, we used to do like Can't Buy Me Love, Oh Blood, Dio, Twist and Shout. Twist and Shout. Yeah. We used to do, um, yeah. But, you know, just actually like going through the learning process and covering the song. Um, and actually, this is where I give Brent a lot of credit because structurally, um, just kind of making that, you know, something that we could kind of play as four people with the help of friends, of course, but just structuring that kind of in our alternative rock kind of molds, um, that took a lot of work. And, you know, that's definitely Brent's, Brent's strength. Um, he was able to kind of translate that really well. Yeah. To help you play in that more of a different style than you're used to per se. Well, I think the the challenge with covering a full album, which we've now done like five times, which is crazy. Because every time yeah. we do it, this is the thing, right? Like Clint and I are very much excited about the live show and we want to do like 
unique things. And Clint's a big jam band guy. And he's like, you know, he'll go see a band. He loves Umphreys McGee. Not sure if you're familiar with that band. Um, <laughs> he'll go see them and see them five nights in a row and they'll play five completely different sets. And um, it'll be what? Oh, cool. It'll be like four songs a night and it'll be two hours. But, you know, it'll be like... <laughs> um, but like he and I are very much excited by the live show, whereas, you know, Tom is very much wants the songs to be there as well. And that, that is, you know, excites him as well, the songwriting aspect and, and that piece, which, you know, we all enjoy the other side of it too, but that's just where we naturally kind of fit. Um, but I think the challenge of doing a live album is like when you just choose songs to cover, you obviously choose ones that either play to your strengths or you can perform well. When you say that we're going to do an album, you can't hide anything. You have to say, how do we arrange because, which is a three-part harmony of the Beatles tracked three times, pretty much acapella. How are we going to do this? Right. So that was the really challenging part was just how do we, and the approach is like you minimize as much as you can. And you say, look, there's certain moments in the song that everyone's looking for. And I, mm -hmm. I find that when we play Weezer songs, like when it, I get really nervous for like the stadium solo, when everything drops out, it's like, if I don't hit those notes or the buddy Holly, where it comes right to the end of the solo, if I mess those up, like I shouldn't even show my face in the club anymore. Cause everyone's going to be like, <laughs> You, you blew it. You ruined it. Failed. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's what we try to do is like with Abbey Road as well. It's like, um, you never give me your money, which we love that song. It's yeah. got a bunch of instrumentation. We don't need to do the whole breakdown that way, but just make sure that the couple of points that everyone's expecting to hear are there. Um, so that's the approach we took. And we're also very fortunate to have some very talented friends yeah, who joined us in vocals. We had a lot of help. Yeah, we had a lot of help. So. Well, and that would be fun, I think. To the, that's, like, that's, that sounds yeah. fun to me. That's to ultimately what it comes down out. to. Ultimately what it comes down to is just the, the fun aspect and the people that are, you know, there and, and experiencing it and just having a blast, you know. I bet. Yeah. That, I mean, I was um, also going to ask you, because I saw the videos of you guys where you're, I don't know if it was on your social media or where, but you're in the studio and you're recording and like just playing together how does that feel when you're recording is that like the best like is it like so fun <laughs> do you feel like oh my god i'm we're like totally oh, like fancy and recording right now this is so cool i'm more nervous i think than anything <laughs> it's stressful yeah me oh, well, okay it's a range of emotions there's moments rehearsal that like is fun rehearsal for like rehearsing for shows and stuff is fun because you know it's just you're just jamming and having fun. But when you're in a recording studio, I mean, in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is it. Like, it has to be perfect, you know, <laughs> and, you know, hit record. And, you know, it's just, there's a lot of things happening because you spend so much time practicing a song and then, you know, between the writing and presenting it to the band and then rehearsing it. And then the moment you're in the studio, you're like, once it's the tape, you know, like, that's it. Like, so you, you want it to just be, uh, represent everything you've worked hard on, so... I think the other thing too is like, it's really, really exciting when you first start because you're like excited about the music. You start to hear it come to life and, and it sounds great and you're so excited. But then like the reality sinks in of, okay, now can you do that guitar riff and do it 75 more times? Uh, that was good, but I didn't quite get the take I needed. And yeah. you're just sitting there like, where have five hours gone by and I've played the same, you know, portion of music over and over and over and over again so it, get, it does get emotionally and mentally draining as well which is the other, the other piece but yeah. but it's it's definitely really enjoyable but when yeah when you're all there and starting out there is an energy that is there and you just try to tell yourself to enjoy it and have fun and because that's what's going to ultimately 
come out in the recording. You'll be able to kind of, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you don't want to have that stress energy come out in your music. You yeah. the opposite. You don't want it to sound mechanical. You want to, you know. I mean, an album like Pinkerton, for example, I mean, th that's part of the, its legacy is that you listen back to that and it just sounds so like loose and all over the place. It really just sounds like they really were just having fun experimenting and just going for it, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's it's different from the Blue Album. The Blue Album is, is an amazing record as well, but it's just, it's much more, it sounds like they were just kind of listening to the directions and doing it, you know, whereas Pinkerton sounds like, all right, let's kind of try some more things and get a little goofy. Yes. And throw all of our emotions at you. Right, right. Too. Sure, yes. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, let's talk about how we met. So you have covered Pinkerton. Have you covered any other Weezer albums we in have. entirety? Okay. Gonna... Every time I, I, I don't know if it's Pinkerton or what, but every time I do a song and I go to Setlist FM to see how many times Weezer has played it and find out like maybe if I can see the um, the live, like the first time it was played live, I see Men in Wales on there. <laughs> I can imagine. I knew, and, I knew it was going to pay off. <laughs> and I don't think you even knew that. Like, have you ever heard of Setlist FM before? Did you know no, that I, uh, you were there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We were the ones. We're the ones typically I putting our sets up. There. Does Clint update it? Yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. You credit where credit's Cool. Too. Okay. Clint. So. Which has been really fun because the bands like lasted so long that now we totally forget what we did 10 years ago yeah. and go there and we've archived everything there. So we know like what we played. It's really cool for us too to see it. Um, oh, cool. I have, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, for you. Well, so that's... what have you played? How, so you've done Pinkerton, obviously. What else? So do you... Yeah, give the... Brent will give the backstory here how this all happened. Uh, okay, so... So we did... We were just talking about we did Abbey Road in 2011. So we, we'd covered a full album before, but that was just a one-off and that was it. Then come to 2016. So there's a there's a brewery out here in um, Astoria in Queens, and uh, it's called Single Cut, and um, their beers are unbelievable. Excellent. As a side note, yes. Uh, Shout out. <laughs> but uh, Rich, the owner, is a guitar player, and everything is like music themed. Obviously, Single Cut is referring to the cut of a guitar, um, and most of their beers have some sort of uh, you know thread to music, which is really cool, and. Um, they have bands in, in their tap room and our bass player Clint used to go there all the time when he lived in Astoria and became really close with them. And so we played like one or two shows there just doing like random stuff, originals and covers. And Clint was like, dude, every time I play there, the blue album and the green album, like they always put them on the record player. Like they just, the owner, everyone there, they love those two albums. Yeah. So when we had the opportunity to play their anniversary party, I was very much pushing for, let's just do something special and let's just cover the blue album. And um, is that how it started? Yeah, because well, oh. we yeah because we 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 played there. We we did like in the garage in Surfwax the first second time we played there. Okay, Sean oh, that's right because we played was it really into it. Yes. And then um, we pitched the idea to them of like, well, why why do a collection of Weezer songs? Let's just do a whole album. So we ended up doing the Blue Album, and I'd say it went over well because at the end of the set, the owner came up and basically in front of everyone was like, "Can you guys do Green next year?" Which <laughs> <laughs> Which at the time I thought was like a joke and thought, oh, Rich is just being really jovial. Like, why the F would and, we do that yeah, when Pinkerton right, is around? Exactly. That was another thought. Like, well, no, you know, we're going to. And lo and behold, uh, August, we get an email and they wanted us to do Green. And we did the Green album. We, we learned Green. Yeah. yeah. Which 
was like 19 minutes long or 21 minutes yeah. long. That was, <laughs> and we're done. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of the green show, Rich is like, well, there's only one more they got to do now. We got to do Pinkerton. And we're all like, all right, let's do Pinkerton. I thought you were going to say like ratitude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was, we, were, we were worried that think, was going to happen. I think that might've been a hard no. Um, just, but, but yeah, for Pinkerton, we did enlist um, our friend, Sam Shaw, who Tom mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We enlisted some help with Pinkerton. Just because vocally it, we really needed to free Tom up so he could just focus on getting the vocals down. Cause it's, you know, these aren't, these aren't like formulaic songs you could just throw out. You know, Rivers is being so emotional um, yeah. You really got to get in the proper mindset to learn these and to perform them. So um, Sam came in, played guitar. We got to do the two guitar leads on like Pink Triangle and stuff, which was fun. I, I read somewhere that the way they recorded the vocals on Pinkerton was they did the, the main vocals and the backing vocals at the same time. So if there was like, you know, mistakes that it would bleed through. So that's why like, you know, some of it is just really kind of silly and, you know, so to perform that live, you know, you almost I needed the help of having kind of that, you know, loose extra voice, kind of that background, um, you know, the extra vocals, the, the previous um, episode you did with uh, Larry, uh, where you did uh-huh. Falling For You, where it was just I'm ready, let's do it, baby. You know, that that kind of that loose vibe of, you know, that performing that live was was hard, you know, just because he was, I mean, that's something that you would do live, but not necessarily right. record it. And, and so obviously it just kind of, it happened. I don't know if he well, it feel, wrote it right. that way, it but it like feels like, like he just said it. Right. It, it almost like just, he did a bunch of things and that was one thing they kept. So when you're, reco- when you're performing it live, then you kind of have to repeat that feeling of it being kind of, you know, off the cuff, if you will. So that's where yes. it became difficult because we wanted to keep it loose and live, but at the same time, we wanted to honor what the record sounded like, you know? And that's where Brent's, you know, strength is, where he was really, you know, almost directing it. Well, you know, the one thing we learned, so in 2012, we had another opportunity to do like a residency at this venue, Arlene's Grocery, which is still there. And it's one of the best, like, rock clubs in New York. Yeah, the Strokes started out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a oh, video cool. of them playing there in like 2000, I think. Yeah. Just like unbelievable. Lady Gaga, I think, played there a few times. She may have, yeah. yeah. So in 2012, we had a residency there. So we said, let's do a Men and Weezer night. Because the thing is, when, when people used to ask like how the band sounds, we'd say it's like high energy Weezer. Because we, you know, we play guitars kind of in that vibe, but we play a bit more kind of up-tempo. And um, our approach to covers you know, the first few years of the band was let's take something like a Beatles song and just rock it up. And it's very easy to translate that sort of song to like a more like a punk rock vibe or whatever and um, mm-hmm. make it a bit more dancey and everybody loves it. So we tried yeah. to take that approach the first time we covered, yeah. like uh, we did half of a Weezer set and we did like Tired of Sex, Surf Wax, No One Else. And we just tried to play these songs like faster and, and more energy, more energetic. Kind of like the Men of Wales. Yeah, tried to do our take on it. And um it did not translate that well. It did it just feel weird? Yeah, because the problem, the the thing is, the songs are so good and so tight that the moment you start speeding them up, they become like sloppy and it doesn't add anything. And I think you you said like the the energy in Rivers vocals doesn't like scale up that way necessarily. No. Yeah, my vocal style is is a little bit different and he, if you listen to the, his vocals on Blue and Pinkerton, uh, more, more Blue, I should say, but you know, he's, 
almost just kind of like singing very straightforward. And the way it's mixed is they're able to kind of push it up and, you know, with the guitars, but playing it live, it was almost really difficult to project my voice over the way that the song was played. So it was just challenging. And we... Because we... it's kind of like just in the middle. Right. It was just kind of almost like, you know, that wasn't the most prominent thing. It was like the guitar and the, t- the tone of the guitar. And, and to do that live, especially with trying it out with the energy and the, the speed, it was just like really hard. And yeah, so we sort of learned our lesson. And we were, we were fortunate too, because when we started doing the full albums at Single Cut, in their tap room, the band actually plays kind of like, how would you describe it? You're kind of like elevated looking down the room. So yeah. people aren't like face, you're not on a stage in a room, you're kind of up. So we sort of said, look, yeah. based on what we learned, four years ago at that point. Um, let's just forget like trying to perform it and have this like visually, you know, appealing performance and just focus on getting the song down as, as you know, close to it as possible and just nail the parts. And um, that approach definitely translated a lot better. Everyone loved it. I yeah. So. Interesting. Cool. <laughs> and we nailed the uh, only in dream solo, which was, yeah. you know, the getting that outro right um, was a big win. I'd say. So yeah, it went well. Uh, only a dream so good i love that song so much yeah. well so that will bring us to your weezer stories so like how did you get into weezer and your favorites i'll take it first uh i got into weezer i guess honestly probably from the spike jones buddy holly video that that was like you know in rotation on mtv and then i remember my neighbor had the cd and this was the first year I got a CD player. So <laughs> it was exciting. It was a great Christmas. I got, you know, so I, it was one of those CD player cassette combos, if you remember those. Uh-huh. And so I, I borrowed Blue and put it on a cassette and just listened to it over and over again. And just in shock at how every song seemed like it could be a potential single. It just was like, wow, this is a really good album all the way through. Like, it's it was just really... And another thing, too, about Weezer was that unlike a band like Nirvana or like Pearl Jam, which, yeah, I don't know if the right word is intimidating, but there's definitely kind of a rock star quality to them. There was something much more, mm-hmm. like, down-to-earth about Weezer. Um, yes. That, you know, I don't want to use, you know, I know the word nerdy, like they were kind of like this nerd rock, but it was... I mean, I would use nerdy. <laughs> they were, they looked nerdy. Yeah. It just, it was a little more... Relatable. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, it was, it was just really fun. And it was, it, you know, so from, from there I was a fan. Maybe not taking themselves as seriously. Yeah. Whereas... Sure. Not to say that like Nirvana took themselves seriously, but it was just like a different vibe coming from them. Right. I, like on the Rolling it's Stone more of a album, grungy... it was like, you know, corporate magazines still suck. And it was just like this, you know, almost like living this gimmick. And Rivers just seemed very kind of shy and insecure. And like the Happy Days video, which was like, you know, Happy Days, they still had reruns of that, like, you know, in 94, like on TV. And it was just like, you can identify with like, you know, oh, wow, they're like playing on a sitcom and like the, the song is so catchy. I mean, you have the, the video uh, parodying Happy Days, then the song itself like calls out Mary Tyler Moore. And, you know, it was just music to my ears. I mean, aside from just being great music, you know. Yeah, I guess it would be like, it was more about the music than their image. Yeah. At the time. And their image seemed to be more fun. Mm-hmm. And also they could go a different route and be 
like that type of band because then you got the sweater song video, which was very like Nirvana-ish, but then weird with the dogs, you know? So you're like, I don't know what's going on, but I like it. <laughs> I think the video for, for Spider Song is all done in one take. I think, I don't think there's any edits. So I think with, with and Spike Jones did Sweater Song too. So I think he, he did something with the speed of the song. And I think Rivers yeah. agreed to doing it because everybody pitched him idea of having a sweater in the video. And he, I guess the Sweater Song is actually like, to him, it was a very emotional song. And so he didn't want to go that route. And so they did this kind of zany video where it's like the blue background, uh, you know, matching the cover of the album and the dogs. And it was just pretty wild. But yeah, if you think about it, it's very weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, like why? I remember watching MTV and you remember the VJ Kennedy at all? Yeah. Okay. So she, she introduced the song and she was explaining how the, the lead singer actually you know, was serious when he was singing the song. And I'm, I I didn't know if she was kidding or not. And later I found out that he did, you know, think it was very serious. But the song itself is, you know, you, you singing about unraveling, you know, a sweater and it just sounds um, like he's making a joke, but he's not, you know. It's just very reverse. It is very reverse. Welcome to Weezer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so do you have um, any favorites? I mean, I'm going to, I'm assuming that Blue is, got to be up there but I, like favorite I, I, song favorite album i feel like i'm talking over brent here did you add anything as far as your no. favorite your favorite album is well i would go blue but i mean it's the same thing when you say what's your favorite beatles album it's so hard to yeah try to pick because you have to go you know based on certain things you gotta say well that album did this better and i'm gonna say okay that was what i'm going for so it's really hard i would say blue and i think you i would go pinkerton you go pinkerton yeah yeah um, and it's, it's close. They're both so good. I mean, I don't know of any band. The one-two punch of Blue and Pinkerton is really, really strong. Yeah, it's really hard to beat that. Yeah. What about anything afterwards? Do you what? What do you guys like? So, I'll say one of my. <laughs> are you ride or die, Brent? Or are you, uh, <laughs> that's that's so true. That was such a good skit. <laughs> I mean, I know you still follow them because you're you've talked about the recent stuff. So no, I totally do. Um, we always do. Yeah, I I've actually gone on record before to Tom saying that Pork and Beans is my favorite Weezer song of all time. Um, wow. I don't like. I think in context that's true because it had been so long since I heard a Weezer song that just immediately like floored me, and when I heard like those guitars kick into the chorus, I was just like, you know, it's. We all, as Weezer fans, it's are like, a jamming song. That's yeah, a good song. Yeah. And you know what? Do you the classic thing? Weezer is back, right? Yeah. That's the thing. Every album, this is their return to form. Yeah. Um, the rest of Red wasn't didn't deliver as much, but I, I think everything will be right in the end. Was amazing. The White Album was amazing. I have a guilty pleasure on Red for Greatest Man That Ever Lived. That's kind of it's a good one. I, I, I sort of secretly really like that song, but yeah, you always had a thing for that song. Yeah, but aside from Red, was not my favorite Weezer. Um, I think yeah, no. I, I think the um, a lot of my favorites are actually B-sides of the first two albums. Like Michael and Carly, uh, that's to me just that is just one of the top three Weezer songs ever. It's so it's just so good. And then mm. just obviously then the emotion of knowing who it's about and their story. And then it just hits on a whole nother level too. Um, Suzanne is amazing. Uh, yeah. It's just like they have a, a lot of good B-sides. They really do. That, you know, you got to like even... 
I'm just looking here at the, the song Friend of a Friend from the White Album. Um, um, that, just yeah, that friend. should have been on the album. I think they probably could have nudged one of them off and probably put Friend of a Friend. So, you know, I don't know who makes those decisions. But, <laughs> you know. I think um, L.A. Girls is another one that that was just the first That's time I heard song. that. Because the thing is, we we actually, a lot of our songs are like 6-8 time, like The Waltz, which we yeah, definitely were influenced by Weezer it. on. So songs like Devotion, you know, we're just like, they got the harmonies, they got the that vibe going. Um, I think that's influenced us in a number of ways. Um, when I heard LA Girls, I, I remember Tom texted me the morning that single came out. And he was, his words were, it's fantastic, you got to hear it. And I like yeah. listened to it on the way to work. I was like, this is the best thing they've done in a long time. I think you're always rooting for Weezer. Like even any record that comes out, I'm always like, you know, I really hope. What's good about it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love them to death regardless of, you know, what music they're putting out there. But, you know, I think the return to form record, Everything Will Be Right in the End, was really kind of solid return because of previously a couple of clinkers. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, in fairness, the Green Album, I think, is an excellent record, you know. And then I think Maladroit uh, and Clint. Is, Clint loves that I'm album. a big fan of Maladroit. Yeah. So I think that was pretty good too. I, I, I don't feel like it's like, you know, perfect as you know in comparison to the first two but I, I i feel like make-believe is where things got a little askew like i mean you can make the argument maladroit and even green but you know i think i started to think that things started to falter yeah we depart a bit i'm higher on make-believe than tom i don't know how you feel about that album but i i, I think make-believe is really underrated yeah, i really I, liked make-believe I, I agree with you it's one of my Tops. Damage in Your Heart uh, is a really good song. That's an underrated song. I feel like that's one of their better deep cuts. The Damage in Your Heart. Yeah, there's a lot of good. I think yeah. there's a lot of good songs on Make Believe, but a lot of people, you know, you could say the same thing about Red. A lot of people say that Red's underrated. I'm not a giant fan of it, but I think, a lot of people love it. I think too, it, it all comes down to, you know, what generation you're looking at Weezer from. You know, mm-hmm. we kind of grew up with it with Blue Album and Pinkerton. But, you know, I noticed on the last episode, Larry, you know, who um, was born in 1999, he's seeing it from a totally different angle, you know? Yeah. So he might approach the Red Album much differently than, you know, someone, you know, growing up with the Blue Album. Yes. Uh, I was trying to make the comparison because if Larry was born in 1999, the Blue Album would have came out five years before, uh, I was born in 1981, so that would have been like Tom Petty, like me discovering Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers at the age of 21. It's just a different perspective. Yes. So, and credit to Weezer for kind of, you know, being able to do that. Yeah. In other words, surpassing different, you know, generations of people that will defend, you know, the Black Album and say, no, this is a really great album. It's like, it might not be my cup of tea, but, you know, that's great. I mean, that's the whole. That's what you want. I, I, I'm trying to think of like who I didn't get into until 21 that would be like comparable or like at, you know, in my opinion, like same levelish as like how much I love Weezer that at, at that time. But and I'm thinking like, OK, I probably got into like the, the Stones. I probably had no idea who they were. Mm. And because if you remember, it was like grunge, um, alternative hip hop, R&B. Like, you know, I was going to the club. I was doing some, like, it was like Nelly and. All right, Rachel. 
Dr. Dre and stuff. <laughs> and so like there was no classic rock in my life until, you know, later when I started to like get into different music and stuff like that. So I probably didn't hear the Rolling Stones at all mm. until like 21-ish. And then I started to like more classic rock. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, yeah. what is this stuff? Like I probably heard it in the background on my dad's radio in the garage like when I was five, yeah. but didn't give it, like didn't care. So to, to, to feel that it's like, well, yeah, it, it's kind of the same feeling. We're like, obviously you're going to like it. They're a good band. Yeah. So if you come into Weezer at that time too, it's like, well, yeah, you're going to like it. They're a good band. And then you're going to pick whatever albums you like. And I wonder if he did even listen to Red because these days, it's like you're not even going to listen to everything necessarily. Like you might just stick with the one that you like or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I just went on a ramble. <laughs> <laughs> I also, uh, just to kind of follow on that, I think Hurley is a bit underrated as well. Like no one seems to really talk about it. It's kind of forgotten. But there's probably like four songs on there that I think are really, really strong. Brent's ride or die, Hurley. I, I do. I like, I like Hurley. I, th- I don't think it's bad, but it doesn't. Was that part of your, your playlist? No, it no. wasn't. You should have That'll make. That'll be for the next challenge. We'll make Redditudely. <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> the fact that it wasn't there is a reflection that I don't think it's a throwaway, right? So it can't be part of the challenge because it's so good on its own, of course. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, I would think for me, Hurley's like number one to get get it off the discography. Did we mention what Redditude was? Did we say? No, we didn't. Right, no, let's, not let's, yet. Can we, can we mention it or is this a good time? Yeah. All right. I, I want to do it. Go it's ahead. happening. Brent, lay it on us. What's the Redditude <laughs> challenge? Right. It's called Make Redditude oh, Challenge. Oh, excuse me. Just make make Redditude Challenge. Very um, important. Get it right. <laughs> so we did this. Um, when, did, when did we do this? Two years ago? Sure. Yeah, two years ago. So the idea was like we've always had these discussions around like make believe Tom and I are a bit split. I like it more than he does. Red, he probably likes more than I do. I um, wouldn't say that. <laughs> I'm not sure if I like Red that much, but go ahead. And then Ratitude, I think we're both pretty uh, low yeah. personally. But what we, what I knew Tom would find fun in doing and why I set up the challenge for us is I create, created this thing called Make Ratitude Challenge. Mm. Um, I've actually seen like playlists on Spotify. I think other people maybe do similar things, but the specifics of what we did was try to create a classic Weezer album from those three albums. So you can only use tracks that are on Make Believe, The Red Album, or Ratitude, and you must use three tracks at least from each album, which is the hard, which is really where it gets tricky because you can you can definitely get to two on, on each of them where you feel like you could slot them in anywhere, but trying to get three of each gets, gets a bit... It's, yeah, it's tricky. Because you're also trying and to... And you have to decide what route you want to go exactly. because it has to be cohesive. Mm-hmm. That's Which is why your two routes turned out so differently. Yes. Yeah, because we agreed on like certain things like perfect situation, pork and beans. But then Well let's read let's read what we have. So yeah. I came up with in my it was 10 songs that I did. So in order, uh, Pork and Beans from the Red Album, Perfect Situation from Make Believe, The Girl Got Hot Ratitude, The Damage in Your Heart Make Believe, Tripping Down a Freeway Ratitude, uh, Put Me Back Together Ratitude, Let It All Hang Out Ratitude. Hold Me Make Believe, Troublemaker, The Red Album, and The Greatest Man That Ever Lived from The Red Album. So those are the, the songs I chose. And I actually surprised myself by using more songs than Ratitude I would have ever imagined. But there you have it. <laughs> All right. So, Brent, what did you have? 
Yeah, so I went heavier on make-believe, but I went, we actually had the first two tracks the same, but the order was different. So I started with Perfect Situation because I just think that intro build uh, is just such a great way to kick off an album. Uh, so I went Perfect Situation from Make Believe, Pork and Beans from the Red Album, Pardon Me from Make Believe, Damage in Your Heart from Make Believe, Haunt You Every Day from Make Believe, Let It All Hang Out from Ratitude. If you're wondering if I want you to, I want you to from Ratitude. And then I actually created my own seg. Um, <laughs> the song, the way the song Put Me Back Together on Ratitude ends has a bit of like a swell and the song Dreaming on the Red Album starts with a feedback swell or kind of a build, not a feedback, just kind of a build. Ooh, I like it. So I actually thought Put Me Back Together could go right into Dreaming and then you could end it with uh, the angel and the one. Oh, from such the Red a good song. It is such a good song. It is so good. So, um, so I think it's interesting to see which ones you both picked and which ones like you, you totally different. Yeah, we're big nerds in that sense. But I, I and I can't wait to see how mine like <laughs> compares. Yeah, I'm very excited to see what you come up with. Sure. It's hard because <laughs> the the problem is every song that you second guess yourself on then changes the whole complexion of the album because then you're like, well, now this order doesn't make sense. We spent way too. And much you time have there. to like listen to it all of these over and over again to make sure like it, yeah. you know, yeah, they go. Exactly. No, <laughs> Believe 100%. me, I'm a playlist nerd. Um. Like I. <laughs> You should you see my Spotify. <laughs> so I totally know. And I have done this. I have like tried to be like at one point, like I wrote, I, I made a DJ set and I'm like, okay, I have an hour. I'm going to put like my favorite reggae songs and they're going to like, but I'm the DJ. So I'm going to like put them in a way that they sound cool together. And I, I was very happy with my, my set and uh, it never happened for real, but it was, <laughs> it's still fun. And I got to find that and put that somewhere. But anyways, so I feel your pain. <laughs> and I like that you actually thought about that with uh, like the, the segue. Yeah, thank you. That's funny. And um, Good closers, because yeah. that's important too. Yes. I mean, you have to have a good yes. ending of your album. And Weezer, and it, <sighs> Weezer definitely has good opener and closer material to pick from. Even yes. if they didn't sequence it that way themselves, there's a lot that you could kind of, you know, put there. Um so that was definitely. And it's interesting it. that you picked perfect situations to start instead of pork and beans. I think pork and beans is like a fun way to start the album. You know, I think it's because so I make believe perfect situations second, right? Because it starts with Beverly Hills, and yeah. I've always like I don't want to say it feels like Beverly Hills was like just inserted there. I had a perfect situation, but like in my mind, I always pictured make believe should have started with perfect situation because that build is just so awesome to start an album. Mm-hmm. So. I definitely went back and forth on that quite a lot, but at the end of the day, I just really wanted an album where, where Perfect Situation yeah. is track one, so... It's the important things, Rachel, you know? <laughs> <laughs> why the, why did you put The Girl Got Hot on there, Tom? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, <laughs> gosh, you know, I, I, I've i always thought that was... Um, am, I, am I thinking... I, I, felt, I thought that was probably one of the better songs in Ratitude, actually. Yeah, I don't know. I think... <laughs> Yeah, that's not a very strong defense. No, I, 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 I don't. I don't have anything bad. The girl got how does it? I guess lyrically. How how did you guys not put "Can't Stop Partying" on there? That's so fun. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what was? All right. I'm gonna see if I can add that to mine and somehow Definitely. make it make sense because I don't know. Like if I was going to do that, where I would put it with all of these other that's, songs. That's the thing. Good luck sequencing that in there. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, 
you know, then you... and having it make sense. It's happening. <laughs> That's going to be my own personal challenge that I will make it happen. <laughs> you, you might want to leave heart songs off there too. <laughs> oh, I like heart songs. <laughs> Even though, yeah, it's not, it, it might not be the best. Yeah. I have done that. I've that's talked the about that song. That's why. Songs they like, so. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. Very cool. So we challenge you guys to do it too and, and, and share it with me and yeah. I'll, I'll put it on Spotify. It'll be fun. It'll, be a fun game and you guys have yours on spotify too so i'll link them in the show notes for awesome. you to listen to Great. um i did want to ask what are your thoughts on upcoming van weezer and the black album okay versus pacific daydream and teal and all that bullshit uh, <laughs> tom's a big teal guy no i'm not <laughs> he's lying um gosh you know, we were talking about this before we started the podcast, Brett and I, but I, I feel like, and what, you'll have to forgive me, what, what is the single that they released from? From which one? Uh, Van Weezer and Where Weezer. It's uh, End, End of the, the Game. End yeah. of the Game. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a really good song there. I just don't know why they have to theme it to be this kind of Van Halen-y 80s type um, yeah. jam. I, I, it, it seems as though they're... You know, this this record has to have that theme to it, which is fine, but I, I don't understand why. I think that's like something we've we've talked about a lot between the two of us with when we talk about like, you know, new albums that Weezer puts out is like it's like you hear, you know, you'll hear Rivers talk about, oh, I want more guitars, I want to rock out a bit. And I'm thinking like, cool, just keep with the formula you started with and then add a bit of that in, it'd be great. Yeah. But if they just go totally like, all right, it's called Van Weezer and it's gonna be purple and we're gonna totally shred. And it's just like, whoa, like they, they just really, you know, which probably fits his personality, um, which probably I'm the same way, but yeah, that's, so I don't know. I mean, I think it's just, it I might mean, be a bit over the top is the only concern I have. I think just from reading about the way he is, he likes to compartmentalize and just kind of, have things be okay. This record is going to be the Van Halen record, and this record is going to be, um, you know, the Black Album, where we're going to do something totally different, and we're going to get, you know, the producer from uh, the produ- the guy that produced, uh, was it David Holmes that produced the Black Album? No, 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 not David no, Holmes. Um, um, Jake Sinclair. Jake Sinclair. No, I think he, Butch Walker did the Black Album. Uh, he did some of it. Yeah, he did Pacific Day during some of Black. Of, I forget the name of the band. Uh, Cookie Mountain was their first record. Anyway they they seem to kind of compartmentalize and have, you know, different themes for the records as of recent, which um, I don't know if it's necessary, but. Yeah. And I was thinking the same thing with the Black album. I was thinking, oh, this is going to be like a heavy, dark, deep album. And it ended up being like a weird themed album where they just kind of did all these different genres and jammed it into one album for whatever reason. And it doesn't make sense and it and it wasn't the vibe that I was hoping for with a black album. Yeah. So I wonder if this Van Weezer album is gonna be the same or if it's gonna be just whatever they want and they're just calling it Van Weezer. I will say shout out to the song High as a Kite, though. I really like that song from the black album. So they, me you too. Know, I, I can't complain if they can give me one song that I really like. <laughs> it's it's all good. My son is just to, my son <laughs> is uh, laughing and being a silly goose. No. Well, you have the microphone though, dude. <laughs> say hi to um. 
Say hi to Tom and Brent from Men in Wales. Say hi. No? You're being shy? <laughs> okay. I give me the curtain. My four-year-old John would be the same way. So I think it's really a <laughs> he, shout out to he our wives right now. Shout out for <laughs> keeping everybody busy. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> What's your middle name? Rivers. All right. <laughs> is his middle name Rivers? Is it really? His middle name is Rivers. Wow, very cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's uh, how big of a nerd I am. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, um so I'm in the video for High as a Kite, and it's very exciting. Oh, you it's are? A special place we love in my the video. Heart. Yes. You're kidding me. I am. Yeah, I'm in there. That's I have a little a, girl that is on my lap, and we're, like, jamming out to the song. That's wow. amazing. got to watch that. I have a GIF, so check it out. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. I was going to say, we both love the video. The video is so cool. I love the song and the it's video. It's fun. I was like, that was the one thing I was like, if there's anything from this Black Album, I love the song. So, you know. Me that, too. That was it was cool. my favorite. I was excited because I got to hear it before everybody else did because I was there to record the video. That's so I got amazing. to hear it. And I was like, this is so cool. Everyone's going to love it. Yeah. And we didn't get to see the band record the video. So when it did come out, it was like kind of a cool surprise for me too. I thought they did a really cool job of like the, the hard, like the heavy parts with Rivers. <laughs> Well, I hope that Van Weezer is is not Van Weezer, and I hope that uh, they do jam it out at some point, like get some really cool like guitar riffs, and they might. It doesn't have to be eighties, but yeah, something fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, plug your upcoming stuff, and like you'll have to come back on the show when it actually happens. But when can we expect it? Do you have a name that you want to tell us yet, or? What what can you guys tell us about your upcoming stuff? Uh, well, we're in the process of just kind of wrapping recording. Um, so the hope is to begin mixing soon. And then um, hopefully we'll have something out later on in the year. And um, I think we're probably just going to start playing more shows again this spring and summer. Um, so just keep an eye out for us. You know, you could check our website or check us out on um, social media, uh, Instagram. Are you guys playing anything coming up? Anything live? We, we actually, we don't have anything uh, coming up just because we've been focusing all our energy on finishing the, the recording. But now that we're kind of wrapping on that, we'll, we should have something soon. Cool. All right. Well, uh, anything else you want to say to the peeps before we get going? Thanks for having us. We really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes. Sorry for the distraction. My, my son is <laughs> waving at, at the thing. <laughs> all right. We'll be right back. <laughs> mystery but I've gotta tell you lately I've been thinking about what you said to me that life and impression we told me how that night in the car takes me back a bit and boost your expressions funny when you make up your mind there's no changing it what is next 
episode 56 where we're going to be doing song discussion with the dudes from Men in Wheels again. We're going to be talking about Surf Wax America. Why don't you guys tell us where everybody can find you on social media? Okay, well, you can uh, check us out at meninwales.com. We're also on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Um, You can check out our YouTube page. So we're all over the place. Uh, look us up online. Uh, you could catch us on, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, etc. So take a listen. I hope you enjoy what you hear. And there will be links to all of those in the show notes as well, just in case you don't want to go looking. You can find We Are Weezer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at We Are Weezer. We have a website, weareweezer.com. Listen, subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thank you, Brian, for the sound. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Rachel. Jameson. (laughs) Adios.